0: you so much for, for being here and for those uh, beautiful, beautiful songs that you've shared with us today. You know, at my age if I had gotten in at 4.30 this morning I wouldn't be standing before you right now. But there's interesting, there's something interesting that happens when you get older. It's hard to go to sleep. It just You just kind of when you're not in your own bed, you just kind of roll around and try to find that spot in the mattress that matches what you need to go to sleep. Anybody like that tonight or today? See, I, I can't even tell whether it's today or tonight. So good to have you here today, Brian and family. Thank you for being here. It's going to be fun listening to them this week, isn't it? And uh, Pastor Thielander, thank you for the invitation to be here with you um, uh, I know BJ, I know his brother Brady, and I know his dad. Uh, what a what a great family! Isn't it, isn't it wonderful when, when sons follow the Lord Jesus Christ in the calling that He has placed upon them? And uh, and and Brady now is pastoring down in Oklahoma, where I used to be DS. So it's good to be with you guys and and uh, share together. So I want us to look today at Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. And we're going to look at verses 19 through 25. Verse 19 begins with a word that is uh, important. It, it says, therefore. It's a strong conjunction. It says, therefore. Well, what that is saying is you need to look at what came before what I'm getting ready to read to you, right? Therefore, therefore. And in the verses prior to verse 19, the writer is systematically talking about the insufficiency of the old rituals, the old sacrificial system, basically saying that the the blood of bull and goats really never did anything to cleanse, to give people freedom from their sins. And you'll look at verse 14, it says, For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever, those who are being made holy. And here the writer is saying that where the, where the old law, where, where the bulls and, and, and goats and the blood sacrifices of the old covenant where they were insufficient, where they really did nothing for people, Jesus Christ has made the perfect sacrifice. And then in verse 16, we read, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. And what the scripture is saying here, that prior to the coming of Christ, prior to His Sacrifice on the cross. That what he is saying to us here is that they knew the law in their head. They knew about God in their head, but it had never taken hold of their hearts. It had never moved from their head to their hearts. And the scripture is saying, I will put my laws in their what? Hearts. It's moving from the head to the heart and I will write them on their minds. In other words, see the reverse? Before it was on their mind, but it never got to their heart. Now the scripture is saying it's in their heart, and it's going to get in their minds. And look what he says in verse 17. Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Is what the writer is saying here. Therefore, because all of that has happened, because now we have been set free from our sins, because now that the law of God is written on our hearts and motivating us, therefore, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is His body. In other words, now we can come before God. Before in the old old sacrificial system, it was only the high priest who could go beyond the curtain and come before God. Now we, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, can come before God Almighty ourselves. We do not need anyone to go before us. Christ has done that. Can you say amen to that? Years ago, uh, I had the privilege along with my family and my brother's family and my mom and dad to to tour the west wing of the White House. I'll never forget that. It's it's locked in my mind where you go through the security and they have your name. And then you go into the west wing of the White House and there is a Secret service guy sitting there at a desk, and he welcomes you by name. And we sit there, and soon the, one of the assistants to the vice president comes out of the office and greets us, and then takes us on a tour of the West Wing. We went into the cabinet room, and I can tell you the cabinet room is much smaller than it seems on TV. We went into the press room, and it's much smaller than what you see on TV. We went into the, we went into the Oval Office. We, we couldn't get in there. We could stand at the door. They wouldn't let us walk in there. It was much bigger than you think. And I stood there and looked at the desk of the most powerful man in the free world. You say, well, how in the world did you do that? How did you get in there? How did you do that? I I couldn't go and do that today. How did you do that? We did that not because of who we were, but because of who we knew. We had a good friend who arranged all of that for us through the vice president's special assistant. So it wasn't who we were that got into that office and into the West Wing it was who we knew. And this is what the writer is trying to say to us. We come to the, to the, to the most holy room, into God's mighty presence, not because of who we are, but because of who we know. Amen. Because of who we know. Now, so the writer goes on. Because of all of this, there are certain things that ought to take place in our life because we've been redeemed, because we have access to God Almighty, we can go into His room anytime we need or want to. Then the writer says to us, these things ought to be taking place in our life. Look at verse 22. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. You see, the great aim of this writer is that we get near God, that we have fellowship with Him, that we not settle for a Christian life at a distance from God, that God not be a distant thought, but a near and present reality. The psalmist knew this. In Psalm 73, 28, he writes, but as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. Now listen, drawing near is an act of the heart. It's an act of the heart. It can happen anywhere at any time. On Monday, I was flying out to Colorado Springs. And I'm, I'm, listening, I'm listening to um, Bethel Worship, Victory Album, and the Goodness of God song on that. And I'm sitting there and tears are rolling down my face. And I grabbed a book and started writing in it as fast as I could write it. The Goodness of God. Hey, I wasn't in a closet on my knees in prayer. I was riding on an airplane, and the person next to me probably wondered, what in the world is going on with this fellow? But I drew near to God. I I drew near to God in that moment. It can happen anywhere at any time. In Acts 17, verse 27, we were reminded of that. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. I love that. He is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. Uh, My oldest grandson, Ethan, He's 12 now, but when he was a little guy, he didn't like to sleep by himself. They'd come to visit us in Colorado, and 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 he would want to sleep in the bed with us. I mean, it was just... So he got a little bigger, and we thought, well, we'll, we'll get him a, one of those little bed things and put it at the foot of our bed. Because... Any of you ever slept with a kid, like a two-year-old? Why is it that they can't figure out where their feet should go? I, I, I don't know. I, I, you know I'm, I've been sleeping in a bed for 68 years. I never get turned around like that. I, I can't figure out, what, at what point do they learn to sleep the right way? I don't know. I can tell you he was four or five and he was still doing that. But this is what he would do. In the middle of the night, he'd reach over and put his hand on your face. Now, the first time he did that, it kind of spooked me. I said, what is that? But he'd reach over and put his hand on your face. He'd leave it there for just a minute or two, and then he'd draw it back. What what do you think he was doing? Making sure I was still in that bed. So we got him this little bed and put it at the foot of, of our. And I'm going to tell you one thing that tests test all the spirituality that you have. is putting one of those things together. <laughs> so, we put that at the foot of the bed. We put him in that bed. It's about two o'clock in the morning. And I felt this presence over my face. Why he didn't do that to my wife, I have no idea. But it was, he was over my face. And this is what he said. He looked down. He's probably four years old now. He looked down and he said, move over, pap. <laughs> it was all about being near. And knowing That you're there. Let me tell you folks. When we draw near to God. We know he's there. When we stay at a distance from him. We sometimes wonder. Where is he? Let me tell you. He hasn't moved. He's just right there. In verse 23, we also read these words that I I find very interesting. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Unswervingly. You know, that's not a word I use most days. Do you? Can you think of the last time you used that word, unswervingly? First of all, it's hard to say. You have to be, you have to be very purposeful to say the word, unswervingly. You want to try that? Try it. Unswervingly. See, you to—you got you to work at getting it out. So what does it mean? It means to be unbending steadfast that's an easy word to say steadfast unmoved to what we profess the word profess can also be translated confess so the writer says the Christ follower will be steadfast in their confession of hope now this hope is not based on the outward conditions or circumstances of our lives. This hope is the indwelling presence of Christ. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Colossians 1:27 says, "To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery." Now, what is the mystery? Here's the mystery. Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So, the indwelling Christ gives us a hope that defies the logic Of the life we live that means that when bad news comes we still have hope hope is a source of strong encouragement that we can hold on to it is an anchor that holds us firm and secure in a hopeless world we are people of great hope my middle grandson. You know, when I was when my kids were growing up, they were always my sermon illustrations. Now I've got grandchildren, six of them, and 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 they give me lots of illustrations. When I pastored in Cincinnati, I went to the same barber shop for 13 years, and there was three barbers in there, and it was a barber shop. I mean, it, it was a barber shop. They smoked, and they carried on in there. It was a barber shop. So I went in there one day, and they all knew me. They knew I passed around the corner. And I went in, and I sat down in there one day. I just sat down there, and they said, Harold, you need a haircut? I said, no. I need a sermon illustration. (laughs) So I'm going to watch you guys for a while. My grandson, my middle grandson, Graham... He was about four years old when my wife's mother passed away. My wife happened to be in Florida where her mother lived. And I was in Colorado. And so she called and told me that she had passed. And um, so I called my kids. And I called my daughter who lives in Kansas City. And I shared with her that Grandma Collins had passed away. And she was crying. And when she hung up the phone, her five-year-old said to her, Mommy, what's wrong? And she said, Grandma Collins went to be with Jesus. And my grandson looked at her and said, In all honesty, just sincere honesty, he said to her, do you think that she can text us a picture of him? (laughs) Now, was he trying to be funny? He wasn't trying to be funny. In childlike hope, He didn't think that was an unusual request. Grandma Collins is with Jesus. I'd like to see what he looks like. Can he text us a picture of him? God bless whoever is having these emergencies right now. So I look at this and I think, God, give me that childlike hope. Don't ever let me lose that childlike hope. And I think that's what the writer is saying to us. Hang on to that hope. Hang on to that hope. Don't ever lose that hope. Verse 24 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Now, he, he shifts here. He's now not looking at God. He's looking at each other. And this is what the writer is saying. We're going to spur each other on. Now I lived out in Colorado. For 11 years. And I lived in Amarillo, Texas. For 6 years. I really have a mental image of this. Spurs on a cowboy. Spurring that horse on. And this is what the writer is saying to us. We should spur one another on to good deeds because we really do need each other, which leads into the last verse, verse 25. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Now is day capitalized in your in your bible. Why do you think it's capitalized? The early church believed that Jesus was going to return any minute. So the day is the approach of Christ returning to this world. Let us not give up hope of meeting together. Now, we don't know why that is, but we can can look at the time frame and the church was under great persecution at that time. It cost you to be a Christian. It might cost your job. It might cost you your family. It might cost you your life. We know at that time when this writer was writing that the church was under intense persecution. Persecution. And the implication is clear to us. There is the danger of slipping away if you neglect the assembling together. In the church, the community of fellow believers, we find encouragement. Folks, we do need each other. That's why it's so important to be part of the community of faith. A Christ follower then, as the scripture teaches us, will draw near to God. We'll hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. We'll consider how we may spur one another on. And we'll not give up meeting together. For those 11 years that I lived in Colorado Springs, I used to enjoy going up into the high country. And out of Colorado Springs, there was a, there was a highway, uh, Highway 24 that would go west up through the Ute Pass. Now, when I lived in Colorado Springs, I I could see the mountain. I mean, you could see it. I was probably 12, 13 miles from Pikes Peak, and I could see it, see it every morning as I went to work. But it was at a distance. And this is what I noticed. The closer you got to the mountain, the bigger it was. And when you would go up, you'd pass, you would make all of these winding curves, and suddenly you realized you were completely surrounded by the mountain. At a distance you could see it. But as you grew, as you went closer and closer, the bigger it was. And as you continued on, you found that you were surrounded by it. The writer is saying to us that as you come closer and closer to God, the bigger he is. And as you continue on that path, you suddenly find yourself surrounded by Him. So I ask you today, how close are you living to God? How close are you living to God? Do you have that hope? Do you know that you've been forgiven of your sins, that Christ is living in your heart? you've moved from just a head knowledge of it to a heart knowledge do you know that you have that hope that that little four year old boy had five year old boy had of the reality of Jesus in your life that's my question for you revival is about The people of God being renewed and refreshed and revived. Amen? So this morning, as we close the service, I'm going to ask you to stand stand as Brian comes, and I'm going to ask you this morning, do you need a little touch of hope? Maybe a big touch of hope. Do you know that Christ lives in your heart? And if not, isn't this a good time to say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my heart. Maybe you've been watching him from a distance. And you want to take a step to say, I want to be surrounded by him his majesty and his goodness so as brian sings i'm going to pray and i'm going to invite you to come this morning and renew revive that experience with god father thank you for your word to us today thank you that you live in our hearts thank you for the hope that you give us. And Lord, thank you for the the body of Christ, the church that surrounds us and encourages us, believes in us, stands with us. And oh God, I would say today that if any of us need just a renewed touch in our hearts, oh God, may it start right here. Right now, in this time and place. I pray this in Jesus' name. And I'm going to invite you to come as Brian sings. Draw
1: me close. Never let me go.
0: Praise God. I
1: lay it all down. To hear you say that i your friend, you are my desire, no one else will do, because nothing else can take your place,
0: praise God, that's right, to fear. That's right.
1: And you're all i ever needed. You're all I want. Help me know you are needed.
0: Amen. Is that your prayer this morning? You're all I want. You're all I need. Bless these children as they come. Bless them. Bless them. Let's sing it again, Brian.
1: Draw me close to you.
0: that with him if you know it. Make that your testimony this morning. thankful for these children who have heard the voice of God this morning. My brother David is a general superintendent in the Church of the Nazarene. He was called to preach at the age of nine. And started preaching before he had a driver's license. I'm thankful for these kids because we don't know what God has in store for them. Amen? And we're going to pray for them. And if you have kids up here today, would you just come and and pray with them? And I'm going to say a prayer. And Pastor, do you have anything you want to do? Let's just pray. Aren't you thankful for the hope that we have this morning? Thankful for the hope that we have. Father God, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for the inspiring music that, that we have experienced today. And we thank you for these who have responded to your call upon their hearts today. Oh God, in this day and age, we know that our children and youth need to be surrounded by a hedge of protection, surrounded by a mountain that is bigger than them, a God who can take care of all of their needs. And so Lord, whatever they pray about today, I pray that they will have that deep assurance in their heart That you are with them. That you love them. That you know them by name. And that wherever they might go, you are with them. Oh God, keep their hearts tender and responsive to the call of your Spirit. And Father, would you just restore in all of us a childlike faith? A faith that they can believe that you are so real that it's not silly to ask for a text message from heaven. Give us that type of faith. In a world that beats us down, give us that type of strong faith and assurance that you're with us. Bless everyone that has gathered here today. And we thank you for your spirit that's been with us. And I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus.
2: Thank you, Dr. Graves. If you remember, our last revival began with a challenge that said, You only have as much of God as you want. We hunger and thirst for more of him. And today we're challenged again. (laughs) How close do you want to get? How close do you want to get? Do you just want to see him from a distance? Do you want to get up close to the mountain and say, oh, I got real close? Or do you want to get lost in him? I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. We set aside this time because it's important. It's important for us to seek God's face. And I pray that you would make it a commitment to get a a little bit closer to him this week. Amen? Let me pray for us as we go. God, we love you and we thank you that when we draw close to you, you are right there waiting for us. May we cling to you today and may we draw close to you so that you can surround us with your presence this week. God, I pray that as we leave this place today we'll be reminded of these truths and we will desire to continue to seek your face and to draw closer to you. We give you praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Have a great day. We'll see you tonight at 6.30.